Hi, everybody, and welcome to Kremlin File. Olga, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Welcome, yeah, everyone. Where we have our hair up, everybody. We're in we're in work mode. Okay, right yes. now. But we wanted to get this to you. This is our special episode on Ukraine. Everything that you wanted to know about it, but was afraid to ask. How did we get to this crisis? And so that everyone knows what the story is and that the story, you know, we get it straight. Okay, yeah, because right now there is so much of a propaganda war. And, you know, Russia is, they are the masters of diversion. I mean, they really are. Just like with Trump, how, you know, something comes out and he knows how to grab media attention and just shift the attention away from the actual Mm -hmm. thing. Same thing with Russia. Let me walk everyone back. One year ago today... Russia started moving military on Ukraine's borders. They were building up military. They moved in mass military uh, equipment. Mm -hmm. It continued through April, I believe. And Putin managed to extort a summit from Biden. So the headlines broke that, you know, Russia had uh, pulled back troops and everything's okay and wonderful. And that's it. Yes, they pulled back a percentage of troops, but the hardest part is moving in the military equipment. The military equipment remained. That's right. A percentage of troops shifted out. Putin meets with Biden in June. And then by the end of June into July, the new phase, and I call this phases. So phase one was one year ago. It began with the initial buildup. Phase two is uh, in the summer. Suddenly, there is a huge propaganda build inside of Russia. Mm -hmm. Uh, Putin writes an essay in Ukrainian Mm -hmm. um, and basically says Ukrainians and Russians are one people. Every single uh, Russian politician decides to chime in, Russian media to chime in that Ukraine is not a sovereign country. One politician even, you know, uh, said the way to deal with Ukraine going forward is to hang their uh, politicians on the lamppost, off the lamppost. And that's it. And basically, you had this whole propaganda phase lasting for a few months, questioning the sovereignty of Ukraine, unprovoked. Ukraine is minding their business, unprovoked. And that's what I call phase two. Phase three begins in late August when Lukashenko starts weaponizing migrants and pushing them onto Poland's border, Lithuania's border. We see this crisis go through the end of August and then it calms down for a few weeks and then comes back into September, October. At the same time, Russia begins weaponizing energy, sending prices astronomically through the roof. At a point, even well, actually twice, reversing the distribution of gas from uh, in the Yamal pipeline from Germany back heading towards Poland. So he was yeah. moving the gas the other way. So yeah. this was, for me, phase three, because here he is threatening Europe. He's showing what can happen between a migrant crisis and, at the same time, an energy crisis. That's right. And then we see come November, Putin, you know, invent this sudden new fear of NATO expans- expansionism. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely nothing changed. Ukraine is That's not right. any closer getting into NATO. Getting into NATO. Um, they still haven't been offered a roadmap. Um, right. No one expanded. Nothing yeah. has happened. Nothing changed. It yeah. is just that Putin decided he needs a pretext of now why, you know, he uh, at the same time that suddenly he, he started with NATO, he, again, mass amounts of military started moving in. All the preparations for a full-scale invasion, as according to our intelligence agencies, were being made. And Putin needs a pretext, so he invents NATO. That's right. And ends up getting a bunch of summits, and that's it. So this is basically how we got here. The real story is that Putin really, really, his, I mean, he's 70 years old. His mm-hmm. biggest uh, catastrophe he sees in his eyes was the collapse of the Soviet Union. I mean, right. they still can't get over it. Not Putin, not his hardliners. We saw this on the 30th anniversary. Every uh, former Soviet country has moved on. They moved on. Yep. They're moving towards, you know, a the democratic West. They're way. They're towards, exactly. For exactly. Like decades the- already. And Russia is still stuck moving backwards, looking backwards. I mean, it was a 30th anniversary of the collapse of the Soviet Union, and they decide to send uh, uh, hockey players out in an uh, SSSR uh, uniform. USSR, exactly. Okay, like the old uniforms that they used to use. I remember them when I was growing up, when Canada used to play the Soviet Union in hockey. And I looked at it and I said, what the fuck? Okay, what are you doing? All right. Yeah. Going all the way back. Another point just to add to what you were saying about NATO, okay, which is a complete fabrication because let's remember that Estonia entered NATO in 2004. Where mm-hmm. where were all where was all of the hoopla, okay, about no NATO, no Estonia uh, joining NATO. Where was all the hoopla? about Romania joining or any other country. Let's also remember that on that border, okay, on the Russian border, all right, there are Russia borders 14 different countries and only six of them, and it's a very, very small piece, only six of them are part of NATO, okay? Ukraine is not. And let's remember, Russia is the one who has invaded their neighbors. End of story. NATO has never invaded Russia. It's a defensive treaty, okay, uh, of countries that come together to defend themselves. This is not something that is aggressive. As Olga was saying, this is simply a narrative of encirclement that does not exist at all, okay? And Russia has shown themselves to be the aggressor. They enter... Their neighbors, they invaded their neighbors, and that's it. At the end of the day, we have never seen NATO step even one inch into Russian territory. That's it. And they never will step one inch into Russian territory because NATO has absolutely zero ambitions of taking over Russian territory or, or, in Putin's case, Soviet. The aggressor here, since 2007, okay, 2008, 2007 in Estonia with the cyber attack against Estonia, 2008, Georgia, 
Okay, and let's remember that they have occupied territory in Georgia. Okay, after 2008, we move into, okay, uh, Ukraine. All right, first Crimea and then Ukraine. Russia occupies 7% of Ukraine for eight years now. So, I mean, <laughs> Ukraine's not looking towards Russian territory. Uh, Georgia's not looking towards Russian territory. And I mean, just to show that it's not even about immediate borders, Russia the other day uh, threatened us. I mean, this was kind of laughable um, that they are demanding for an immediate withdrawal from Syria. Really? Now Syria is Russian territory? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so it just shows you that. I mean, and, and we've seen it in Armenia and they basically want this is Putin's goal. Like I was started saying yeah. that he is getting older. What the West fails to calculate in all their calculations is the Russian mentality and his mentality yeah. of leaving behind the legacy. He wants to be seen as Vladimir the Great, where he started, you know, regaining the Soviet territorial loss uh, after the collapse. And that's what he wants to go down in history. So, yes, he's not thinking rationally. Mm -hmm. He These meetings... I mean, Russia never went into these meetings in good faith. The That's negotiations right. were, the demands from Russia were laughable. I mean, oh, let's go back yeah. to 1997 now. I mean, we need yeah. all the countries who join NATO. We need the NATO troops out of there from 1997. That's right. Look, if someone would have yeah. asked me who Putin was in 2001, I would have told them who Putin was. I mean, the fact that, you know, Bush found a soul in him or saw, mm -hmm. you know, looked in his eyes and saw a soul. The man blew up apartment buildings. He killed his own yes. citizens to get into power. Yes. I don't know what soul there was there, but uh, yeah. I mean, he blew up, yeah. you know, killed his own citizens to get into power. Then yeah. Putin has conducted endless assassinations of dissidents, of, you know, people who have defected and, uh, you know, jailed opposition figures. So, I mean, this is who they are. This is who Putin and his cronies are. And these That's are the right. people advising him. So when the West sits down to negotiate with someone, they have to take the mentality into a factor in that mentality into the calculus. And exactly. whereas Westerners can sit and negotiate amongst each other, you know, in a normal sure. way. And that's what actually differentiates us from, from yeah. uh, Russia. Putin can't and his regime can't. I mean, you are negotiating with people who are criminals, who have hijacked yep. their own country, robbed their country, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. have left robbed, you know, innocent Russians, continue to jail and kill Russians. You know, this is who you're negotiating with, you know? So uh, that's one of yeah. my biggest frustrations. And when, you know, you see a lot of people in Europe and U.S. start making calculations of, you know, how these mm. negotiations are going to go and whatnot, they always forget the one thing, and that is factoring the Russian mentality from the Kremlin, what their military strategic aims are and what, you know, what their just strategic aims are as a whole. We are not dealing with the normal business as usual. And this is the mistake that is being made, especially by our allies that are here in Europe. And I'm sad to say this because I'm sitting in Italy and it makes me sick. 
okay, that they are not treating this, okay, or looking at this uh, as something that could destroy, okay, destroy our democratic world order, right? The one that we, the international well, rules-based order. Exactly. That, that okay? is the aim With of China Russia. and other authoritarians. Exactly. That you know, is absolutely is the, the aim of what they have been doing. I mean, this is exactly. hence you see all the uh, election interferences and attacks and support for the far right, for the far left, and, you know, causing chaos, division, and disinformation operations. I mean, it's endless. The whole point is to shift the balance of world power and shift it towards autocracy versus a democratic order. Thank goodness that the states are stepping up, okay, in this. This mm-hmm. is absolutely incredible. The UK, just to give a little bit of an idea of what is happening, uh, the United States is also thinking, you no, know, um, they've put certain units in readiness. We're talking about aiding Ukraine with logistics and medical, mm-hmm. aviation, transportation, intelligence, surveillance support systems. There's a fantastic article in Defense One about this. If you'd like to read up on it, please do. The UK is stepping up. They were one of the first to send out. Okay. Yeah, UK is taking uh, the lead you know, in this. I mean, they it's, have It's been incredible. Exemplar. I know. I, look. To tell you the truth, I re- I really don't like Johnson. Okay, I think he's a real asshole. But in this situation, they are showing leadership. Whereas mm-hmm. other countries, okay, and just to finish off with the UK and the US, and this is something Olga that you were looking at as well. There's a heavy duty sanctions bill that will know that is being discussed at this time. And news came out not too long ago, I think it was either yesterday or today, that they're also considering the sanctioning of the oligarchs and Putin himself. And there's a piece of legislation in place. It's called the Magnitsky Act. It was named after my lawyer was killed in Russia, Sergei Magnitsky. And it allows the British government um, to freeze the assets and ban the visas of people who are involved in high-level corruption and human rights abuse. And so the easy way of doing things for us, and and a very asymmetric way as far as Putin is concerned, is to freeze the money of a certain number of oligarchs. And so we have a tool, the Magnitsky Act. We actually know who these oligarchs are who hold Putin's assets. Um, We know that they are held in, in London, and we know that Putin values his money. We are talking trillions of dollars that are being moved out of Russia through Western institutions, through enablers in the West that are helping Putin finance his operations and the terrorist attacks and everything in between the invasions, the everything, you know? So, I mean, this money needs to be cut off. And the only way to cut it off is by going after the people who move it for Putin. I mean, you're not going to find a Vladimir Putin bank account anywhere, but everyone does know who moves the money for Putin. All the intelligence agencies know. So, I mean, this is who you go after, the people who are moving these uh, the money for him, that they're setting up these uh, companies, you know, for that purpose. So, no, I'm very happy. And, and, you yeah. know, look, yeah. people at the beginning were saying, you know, not giving enough credit to United States. And I no. actually told someone recently, I said, listen, you don't understand what's happening. I'm like, yeah. we might not, besides the fact we're sending weapons and making the very strong statements, you see Britain more out front. I said, but we are in the back 
coalition building. And it's no coincidence right. you see Spain, Canada, and, and you know, the Poland, Baltics. And the Baltics. Everyone Fantastic. coming together and saying, we will yeah. contribute this amount of military, we'll contribute this amount of mm-hmm. military equipment, we'll contribute mm-hmm. this amount of money. And for people who say, who cares about Ukraine? If we allow Russia, first of all, if Russia fully invades Ukraine, as the intelligence reports indicate, I mean, that will change the world order to begin with, because then what is to stop anyone from saying, you know, I like my neighbor, I'm going to take over their country. Russia invades and occupies Ukraine. What's next? Certainly, Russia's efforts to turn its neighbors into puppet states, to control their activities, to crack down on any spark of democratic expression will intensify. Once the principles of sovereignty and self-determination are thrown out, you revert to a world in which the rules we've shaped together over decades erode and then vanish. And that emboldens some governments to do whatever it takes to get whatever they want. Even if that means shutting down another country's internet, cutting off heating oil in the dead of winter, or sending in tanks. All tactics Russia has used against other countries in recent years. That's why governments and citizens everywhere should care about what's happening in Ukraine. It may seem like a distant regional dispute or yet another example of Russian bullying, but at stake again are principles that have made the world safer and more stable for decades. And second of all, for anyone who thinks this is not going to pour out of Ukraine, Russia has been lashing (laughs) out at everyone. They have not only lashing out, but they're taking activities like they're physically doing things, taking steps to lash out at Europe. I mean, between the the talks of the Baltics and questioning their sovereignty 20 years later. That's right. And, um, and even Lukashenko, Lukashenko piped up and said, Lithuania, we're going to delete you off the map. You know, he did a three hour speech the other night. Absolutely like, crazy. He mentioned war 36 times. It was the beginning of um, December when Russian, like one of the most popular Russian shows, I sat there and discussed sat there discussing a sovereign country, Lithuania, yeah. and and yeah. saying, oh, should we give it to the Chinese? Well, maybe the Chinese, oh. maybe they'll this. And they're sitting and deciding the fate of a sovereign country. I mean, give me a yeah. break. You know, I mean, this yeah. is like some kind of, yeah. like, insanity. And it at is. the same time, they're also, you know, they cut underground uh, uh, undersea cables, cables off cables. of Norway. That's right. And, you know, we're worried about the cables in Ireland. Cyber mm-hmm. techs are stepping up. So, I mean, yep. you know, it's going to yep. come outside of Ukraine's border, whether we like it or not, you know. That's right. Thank goodness, Aoga, for those those Irish fishermen I that know. scared off. I okay, know. I, I, Applause. Applause to yeah, those Irish fishermen. Because they were the Russians were going to be doing some uh, military exercises, and they were right on top of some cables. The Irish fishermen came out and got in their way, so the Russians had to pull out. Disturbing, because those military exercises are so close to Europe. They are in Europe. <laughs> well, I mean the the mainland. I'm talking about the mainland. It is. It's right, right there. I mean, uh, my God, yeah. one little mistake, yeah. and it's uh, it's one of the European countries. 
And this is why it's so important. And we're hoping in these days, there is a little bit of a shift that's happening. But Germany and France have to step up. Okay. Germany, they've been moved for years and years and years in their foreign policy by an idea that is called Wandel durch Handel. Okay. And what does that mean? It means that you try to, um, it's a mentality, okay, of bringing change through trade. And this has not worked. Okay. It has simply not worked because it never stopped Russia from doing anything. What did it do? It made Germany dependent on Russia for certain things. Okay. This is how it ended up. Plus, they captured a lot of the elite business people in Germany. Uh, we know of a famous case, Schroeder, who was the ex-chancellor, and now he's working on the advisory board for Rosneft, oh, sorry, for Gazprom. And you know, this is what we mean, is that Germany right now is the strongest, economically strongest country in Europe that could actually help, okay? And it's not. Uh, they blocked, okay, certain weapons to be, uh, transported. They were Estonian weapons that were supposed to be transported. The Estonians wanted them to go over to Ukraine. Uh, Germany has a tradition of not allowing uh, weapons to go into war zones, but then they sell weapons, okay, to Middle Eastern countries that are at war. Okay, so this is, there's, they have to clean up their act. It's a new government that's there. And we're hoping they're starting to move a little bit more on sanctions, especially for Nord Stream 2, which Olga and I have talked about in the past. Mm -hmm. So we're keeping an eye on what they're going to do. France, France, Macron is, we would like a reset. Okay. Once again, but that's because he just wants to get into the news. We don't know. Okay. Uh, we do know that both Germany and it's France election, are starting yeah. to send. Oh. They're starting to beef up their NATO presence in Romania, okay, which is a very interesting, okay, development that just happened. No, well, the other everyone day. is, yeah, U.S. too. Yeah, everybody's beefing up. up now. For now, Germany has offered a field hospital, okay, uh, which is obviously useful. Nobody wants to say no to something like that. Only 5,000 helmets. I think the Ukrainians, and please correct me, Olga, if I'm wrong, the Ukrainians had asked for 100,000 and, you know, Germany is giving 5,000. No, they clearly have demonstrated they don't want to help at the moment. Again, if, God forbid, you know, Putin fully invades the country, I mean, they are going to be left with no choice. <laughs> they either side with yeah, Russia, exactly. stay with neutral, 100%. or stay with the uh, U.S. We need to open our borders. And, and, and the West and Europe. Yeah, so. exactly. And another thing, too, I mean, I contacted... Uh, two people that I know that are my representatives here at the EU level and also at the, you know, at our national level. And I wrote to them and I asked, are you guys organizing for people who will need help? Okay. Either to move from Ukraine or what is going on. So I'm still awaiting word uh, from them because this is a, an extremely important thing. There may be people who need to leave, need to flee Ukraine at one point. Okay, so the EU, if you're not going to do anything else, get prepared, okay, to help people in some way, okay, or another. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Ukrainians don't need a visa to get into Europe, so... No. You know, no. if, if That's Putin right. starts bombing all the capital, I mean, all the main cities, you know, yeah, you're going to have yeah. a refugee crisis. Exactly. You know, exactly. Europe can... So what? can like Europe yeah. won't have much of a choice because people have to yeah. leave. So 
That's right. Well, the president of the um, of the European Parliament, I heard her in an interview last night. Her name is Metzola, and she said that they are they are starting to uh, to organize and get planning done for this. So this was in an interview last night on Italian television. Um, so applause to other nations that have, st- have stepped up, okay? Just one little thing, just one little thing. The EU is 27 nations and they are an economic block. They do not have a unified foreign policy. And this is come up and it is so flagrant that they need to sit down and really, okay, work well, this I out. Well, I mean, it's because- difficult. For them. I mean, exactly. you have Orban, very, who, is, who is on yeah. his way to Moscow during this exactly. time. You will see people take a more, like, definitive position if mm-hmm. Putin sure. fully invades sure. Ukraine. They so right to. now, you know, people, some are saying, let's uh, try diplomacy, let's do this, let's, you know. Yeah. So right now, you're going to see a lot of, you know, some people are stronger, some pe- uh, some countries are stronger, some countries are more like, let's try to talk, maybe we shouldn't sanction. But if Putin Push comes does, to yeah, yeah, what what it looks like he might do, people aren't, uh, you know, they're not people, the countries are not going to have a choice. They're going to have a minute to make a very quick decision. I'm sure that every single person who is within, let's say, Putin's, uh, how can I put it, captured by Putin, okay, either through business, politics, intellectual circles, uh, he's calling in every single favor and uh, and chip that he can. And speaking of calling in favors, and what she has been calling mm-hmm. in favors, and goodness, mm-hmm. have I seen um, you know all the propaganda? That is yes. one bit I want to cover for the social media. There are several lines that are going around of disinformation, mm-hmm. and people really need to be careful with what they share. And I mean, I am seeing everything of we don't want to send our children to die in a war for Ukraine, meaning United States. Mm -hmm. No one asked U.S. to send any military to Ukraine. It is simply just logistics. And yes, United States, as part of their obligation to NATO, does have to protect the eastern flank. That is not related to Ukraine. I mean, it is related because, you know, the war can potentially pour out. But that is their obligation to NATO as a bloc. They must protect the eastern flank. So we are not sending troops to fight uh, Russians in Ukraine. Our troops are going just to stand as a security protection Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. NATO countries on the eastern flank that are under the threat right now of Russia. That's That's it. So that is the number one. Number two, I see a lot of like, you know, disinformation building up and I see where it's generating from, how it starts off in Russia and trickles through here Mm -hmm. of nuclear weapons and, you know, their nuclear power and we need to, you know, uh, hey, call it stop and not push so hard against them. They are nuclear power. So, okay, so if they move into Ukraine, what if tomorrow it's the Baltic? So what, we just, because they're a nuclear power, have to let them roll right through Europe and not, you know, say a word? The third one is, well, it's Europe. Who cares? Um, The whole (laughs) post-World War II order Order. is based on Europe being a 
peaceful because yeah. if we wait too late, as we saw with World War II, that's right. Then you know things are much worse. So the whole point is right now, and U.S. is striking. A, a, I think personally, and I've said this for the past few months, a perfect balance: running diplomacy on one mm-hmm. line, mm-hmm. and then at the same time making preparations in the possibility that Russia does you know, uh, start war inside of Ukraine at the scale that is being promised. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we need a peaceful Europe. That's for U.S. national security. And then the fourth one is that this U.S. is using, this is the newest one, and it's a conspiracy running through Russia, running through Ukraine, running Mm -hmm. through now on social media that mm-hmm. you this is a war between US and Russia. No. <laughs> Biden, the last thing the Biden administration wanted wants. is any kind of war. The Biden right. administration wants his build back better plan. That's, That's all right. he wants right That's now. That's right. He does That's not right. want war. He does not you know sure. he pulled out of Afghanistan. And mm-hmm. here I'm seeing this, you know, oh it's a conspiracy uh, you know, U.S. is using Ukraine to go to war with Russia. No, we are not. Ukraine doesn't want war. U.S. doesn't want war. Europe doesn't right. want war. Nobody wants war. The That's only right. one who wants war is, war is Russia. Is <laughs> Putin, it. who That's has 130,000 soldiers around Ukraine, surrounded with mm-hmm. endless, you know, uh, military equipment. So, That's I mean, right. there are so many narratives yeah. that are being spun yeah. and it's coming from bots, trolls, think tank people, That's journalists, right. opinion pieces. Everywhere I look, I see another genius, you know, point coming out. <laughs> I wanted to bring everyone's attention to two fantastic articles that Olga wrote about the disinformation war that is going on right now, the propaganda war that we're seeing through different, different feeds going up Russia's war elevator. Okay. Mm -hmm. Russian propaganda is rising in volume. They're so informative. In this article, Olga, you mentioned something that was very important because this propaganda is being generated, controlled, and orchestrated right from the top. We're not talking about this is this is purposefully done. So be very careful when you're reading something. May I also suggest there are two fantastic documents that were published from the office of the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken. And he published two fantastic documents exactly saying this is fact and this is fiction. And it's extremely important to understand where it's coming from. And as Olga pointed out in her fantastic uh, article, it comes straight from the top. And not only does it come straight from the top, the propaganda has shifted. And as everything else that comes in phases, the propaganda shifted. So from November inside domestically for the Russian audience, it was a daily barrage of NATO is about to launch a nuclear strike on Russia. United States is about to launch a nuclear strike on Russia. NATO is preparing an invasion into Russia. I mean, the insanity and the fear mongering 
was insane. I mean, I don't think people there for the, the majority of people believe it. I mean, they were, you know, busy trying sure. to, to make a ruble to pay their bills. Sure. But sure. the scare tactics were ridiculous. Then it, um, and Russia, of course, was playing the victim and, you know, and, and it's like poor little Putin and all, uh, everyone's against him and whatnot. Meanwhile, this is his manufactured crisis. This exactly. is the Russian leadership who manufactured yeah. this crisis. Yeah. And then exactly. it shifted over to um, now aggressive. So it's aggressive on two points. One, it is aggressive that they are threatening United States directly. They threatened to launch a missile to Nevada, a nuclear mm-hmm. missile to Nevada. <laughs> and that came from a Duma leader. Yeah. They yeah. are threatening to send nuclear weapons to Cuba and to Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And That's this right. is being discussed every single day. And I mean, yep. they are just now threatening. They threaten Sweden, they threaten Finland, and they threaten Norway. I mean, they're lashing out at everyone, all everyone. the Baltics. And then the third one, which is now very, very worrying because now it's been floating, you know, from last month, where mm-hmm. is setting the stage for false flag operations. So it started yes. last month with U.S. mercenaries have moved chemical weapons into Donbass, which is uh, occupied by Russia in eastern Ukraine. Now we are at a point that it is literally every few hours they are yeah. warning of an attack that will be launched by United States yeah. and the and Ukraine or the West and Ukraine, depending you know which article it is, mm-hmm. um, against Donbass and against Luhansk. Yeah, so I mean, right. and uh, last week, you know, they had oh, the uh, Ukraine and the West are preparing to blow up buildings. I mean, the only one yeah. I know so far who blew up buildings is Putin. So yeah. this is what's yeah. happening, and now this phase is the most dangerous phase because now they are actually setting the stage for a provocation to happen in order for them to respond. So That's right, right now is belly. where, yeah. yeah. So out of all the propaganda that I pay attention to, this is the one because they are, yeah, this is not for, you know, seeking concessions. You're not going to get a concession if you're warning that there, you know, are terrorist attacks about to go off orchestrated by U.S. and Ukraine or any kind of attacks inside of eastern Ukraine. You're not going to get concessions from that. So this is the most worrying and it's coming again from the top. Yep. From right underneath Putin to straight down. And it's That's going right. through bots, trolls, disinformation yeah. outlets, yeah, and just them. on and yeah. on and on. So Exactly. Just two words of advice. If you're going to be tweeting about Ukraine or if you're going to be reading tweets about Ukraine, number one, it is not the Ukraine. Okay. It is simply Ukraine, just like you would say Spain. You don't say the Spain. Okay. This goes back to something that was another part of their history. All right. Which is no longer. All right. They're an independent country. We call it Ukraine. That's it. It's not a region. It's a country. Independent democratic country. That's point number one. Point number two, go and check the spelling for city names in Ukraine. For example, Kiev 
Olga, how do you spell Kiev? K-Y-I-V, not uh, K-E or whatever the other, the Russian way is. How do they spell it? K-I-E-V? With, with an K-I-E-V. I-E-V. Yeah. yeah. I made this mistake right in the beginning. All right. And I got piled on, which is fine. It was a rookie mistake there. But you learn. Yeah, that, okay. that has been my... Uh, <laughs> One of my biggest pet peeves for years, every time poor Ukraine gets in the news for something, it's like, besides exactly. the disinformation, it's the um, misspelling, it's the, the Ukraine. Yeah. And I'm like, crazy Come shit. On. We're at a moment where it's extremely delicate and we want to help our Ukrainian friends and show them the support by respecting their language and also, okay culture and that they are an independent country. I wanted to sort of move on to something to finish this off. I mean, I have Ukrainian friends, you are Ukrainian, half Ukrainian, half Russian, your family and everything. So uh, I know that this is probably will make you smile a little bit, maybe make you laugh. But I thought this was something that I found on somebody's feed. And I said, you know what, this is really cool. This was from Sasha Boychenko. And she put together how to talk to your Ukrainian friends, okay, or friends from Ukraine. And this really applies, this came from her own um, experience of speaking with people who were coming from war-torn countries or were trying to flee. And she learned these things uh, to be able to communicate and show her affection and also no concern for people. So mm -hmm. I thought it was something I wanted to share with everybody because I thought, okay, this is kind of cool. And, you know, if you have friends, right, it's, it's important. Number one, okay, so how to speak with your Ukrainian friends, what to do, okay, in this kind of situation. One, uh, she writes, check on them, Okay, just say simply by asking, hey, what are you doing? Okay, and talk about your own life. All right. It's a nice way to ground the conversation. So you don't need to take pity on, okay, what on them or tiptoeing around issues. Don't be afraid to tell a joke. So this is the first one. So to ground, know your conversations. Two, try to be as present and non-judgmental as possible. Okay, so leaving open Okay, that space, right, for conversation. Three, remember that having a balanced, calm, and rational discussion on history or geopolitics means that you are living someplace where you are not psychologically terrorized. Okay, so please remember, okay, sensitivity towards this kind of thing. Then, next point, do not treat your Ukrainian friends as a Google search. Okay, so what does this mean? Many Ukrainians will be very happy to talk about, you no, know, if you do have questions, to clarify some doubts, but make sure before you no know, talking, maybe just do a little bit of a basic search, okay? Like, don't ask them, okay, right, don't bombard them also with links from all over the place, okay? I'm sure that they're keeping, okay, on top of things. Then don't be afraid to seem ignorant, Okay, about things. I mean, I, I ask you stuff all the time. All right. Because if you don't know something, first I do a little bit of a Google search. Then I say, oh, I found this. Okay. Uh, is this okay? All right. 
and, and Olga says, no, Mo, it's bullshit, or yes, Mo, it's fine. <laughs> so <laughs> she tells me, she helps me out to understand things. So don't be afraid, okay, to seem ignorant. And don't think that you're going to catch up on eight years or a hundred years of history of Ukraine. It's not going to happen, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, no, just make sure that you're uh, very polite and respectful. Then the last thing, okay, just be decent, okay? Be a kind, decent human being. All right. That I think is the basis of all of our relationships with people, you know, being happy, being, bring a smile, be decent with someone, right? Because right now, Olga, and I mean, everybody out there can see this United States all over. It's pretty bleak. Okay. It's pretty dark right in this moment. Uh, So a little bit of kindness, okay. Doesn't hurt anybody. And it's a great way to connect. Right, Olga, with people, with everyone that's in our lives. It also helps to cultivate a sense of community, of belonging, all right, that this person matters to you. So these are just sort of, no, and the most important that um, Mm -hmm. was missed stop Mm -hmm. talking for Ukrainians. Yes, exactly. Get them to stop talking for Ukrainians because this is unbelievable. Everybody has an opinion, everybody's saying what needs to be done, who should be do what. And yeah. Ukraine seems to be missing on every single l- yeah. level it's of true. these discussions. It's true. I mean, exactly. I've never, I've, I've yep. read like, I don't know, countless articles and it's like, oh, and this is needs to happen and Ukraine needs to do this and this and that. And the only one missing out of this conversation is Ukraine. So is stop Ukraine, talking for want? Ukrainians. Exactly. That's right. That's, That's right. I think, right. the most important. I mean, Ukrainians yeah. know what they want, what they want the future of their country to be, how far they are willing to to go to protect their country. So the most important right. is let Ukrainians speak, let Ukrainians have a voice, and let them, you know, make their own decisions for their own national security. Okay, so... Thank um, you, guys, and we will yeah. keep on updating you as yes. things um, progress. Hopefully mm-hmm. things will yeah. move the other yeah. way and calm down. Yeah. But we are here to update and, you know, to answer any questions anyone might have. That's right. Okay. My DMs are open. All guys are open. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions and don't be, you know, uh, don't be shy about that because it's really important mm-hmm. to get the information and get it right. Remember to please follow Olga's feed because she uh, you know, tweets uh, all of her stuff is investigated and there's no bullshit there. Okay. So uh, as Olga was saying, we'll, uh, we'll be keeping you updated on everything that's going on. Okay. So this is from us to you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Hey, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and please visit our website, kremlinfile.com. This is a Bunker Crew Media production hosted by Olga Lautman and me, Monique Camara, with executive producers Marley Clements, Jack Bryan, Grant DeSimone, Ben, Brett, and Jordi Salas of Midas Media, with associate producers Ruby Franco and Sarah Metz. Theme music by Oreste Camarla. Sound editing and mixing by Joy Ellett. Subscribe to Kremlin File wherever you listen to podcasts.